the background music. Oh, you get hi there. This is Jim the Keys bartender. Hey, Joe, you heard the background music? I, yeah. What do you have playing in the background? Oh, the that's classical music in the background. Let me stop that. Alexa, turn down the volume. Yeah. Stop that because I'm I'm liable to get uh, culture. I don't know culture. God forbid. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, I I I like all different types. I just played in the background for the hell of it. Um, hey Joe, welcome back. This is Jim the Keys bartender. I'm here with Papa Joe. It's a live show. Hey man. Yep. And uh, uh, good, good good to be back. I'm going to give out the number. We just figured out at least tentatively that we can take phone calls. So the phone number is 407-392-4563. Uh, the original post, I put the wrong number on the uh, – Oh. Uh, yeah, I put 393, oh. but it says 407-392-4563. Uh, what happens? It, we receive the calls through a Skype number, and I guess – 305s all used up, you know. I guess because of all the girls that are using it for, uh, you know, there's girls that use Skype numbers in order. I spe- what are all the call girls are using? They got to use uh, with social distancing and stuff like that. They they had to yeah. use. Well, Skype. you know, <laughs> you got to cut them girls guys a break. And, guys and girls, <laughs> right? So, so what have you been up to, Joe? I've been I've been doing a lot of. Uh, Especially when I was experimenting with Skype, I wasn't bringing people on because I wasn't sure what would happen. But luckily, I didn't get any phone yeah. calls either. <laughs> I just yeah, well, I just been uh, you know just back to work and um, running around doing that. Some deadlines with the with the book came up. I uh, had to, had to push through that. And uh, working on the the next book, so it's been a little busy between uh, traveling the United States and working on the book. Were Were you in town for uh, mini season? Luckily, I was. I got back in town late that Friday, so I just missed it. So, for background for anybody, it's a new listener. Mini season. I'm talking about is a. Uh, it's uh, lobster mini season, and it's uh, it was a couple weeks ago, and there were concerns. Uh, well, we'll find out. You know, it's funny now with uh, how the lag time finding out what an event uh, did to you know, currently what Monroe County is at like fifteen, sixteen hundred uh, cases. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. Isn't that strange? Because that's gone up from like 300 cases in just what uh, three to four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and then there's a lag time with the deaths, and I don't know where they're at now. 20 or something like that. We're a small county. We're not like Miami, and uh, it's not as tight here. But we do have events where people, I. I just have a feeling they're not recording the deaths if they leave. But th- we're we're not, uh, you know, if a listener comes on, they don't have to listen to. They got they got everyone in the world's going through this, so nothing's unique here. Uh, well, us. what is there is something unique here because on top of COVID, we have dengue fever. Oh, dengue fever! Yeah, and it got some people dying from that too. Yeah, I did. How many deaths from dengue? Five. You know, I've not been following. I just know that the uh, the amount of infections uh, continue to rise, and uh, the, the county, of course, it's a mosquito spread mm-hmm. uh, virus. You can't catch it by being in proximity to someone yeah, unless a mosquito, mosquito bites them. Yeah. Right. So the the county uh, has been spraying for mosquitoes like crazy uh especially over key largo because it seems to be like a mini outbreak of dengue fever well it's actually uh, right in our area yeah it's right in where i live 102 and where you live right yes yes i mean it's uh sometimes sometimes twice a day they go over and uh 
okay. so it's here, and hopefully it stays somewhat contained. Yeah, and it's and and uh, I don't, you know, it's not a spray as much. It's like really tiny pellets are dropping, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll be tell you something, Jim. <laughs> I see that thing fly. I usually go inside. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't wait around. Uh, yeah, to breathe it in. Well. At least yeah, a no. mosquito, you breathe in a mosquito and you have the, the no. there's there's some backward <laughs> logic. Well, we'll just breathe that in, just like the Clorox, <laughs> drinking Clorox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and uh, it's been hot. And uh, it's hot in the rest of the United States, but the um, this is that south, uh, southern part of the United States hot with the humidity down here and everyone thinks their humidity is a little more unique i think it's bearable down here you know well thank god for a breeze sometimes you know yeah i mean at night it's not it's i go outside and i you know i walk i walked home from work last night i live about two two three three blocks away and uh it was uh it was lovely you know the weather it was that way 80 82 degrees you know? well, it, it wasn't that it wasn't that pleasant in uh, in Alabama uh, last week when I went back over there. Oh yeah, it was ninety seven degrees, no wind, uh-huh. high humidity, and it felt like it uh, may as well have been uh, one hundred and twenty. Oh. It, it, it was really miserable. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, you know, there's nothing you do about the weather, but I tell you, it's been really nice down here. We've been having a We've had a lot of visitors in the past week, which it was interesting. Everyone wanted to shut down for mini season, but we've been busier since mini season. Interesting. I, the restaurant has been busier since. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking, and that's that's not anecdotal. It was there. That was that was it was busier. Categorically, every night was busier. Three three times the amount of business takeout and all the uh, in in person dining which we have in the keys now a lot that Miami and they have um, an 11 p.m. curfew for for the keys for restaurants so if you're dining in a restaurant they have to be all patrons have to be out by 11 p.m. they did that as a small concession to the people that wanted to shut down for uh, the mini lobster season <coughs> Other than that, it's uh, it's weird how where all this shit's going on, right? It's an election year, got the pandemic with the you know the the perfunctory uh, uh, recession, uh, major league depression going on. When you're living through history, you don't really take a historical view of it, right? Yeah, usually not. No, and uh, the people that lived through the the plague, and I guess their lives were the regular life was miserable during those during, during the Middle Ages. Just regular day to day life was miserable, and they didn't even know it. You know, what I mean, they survived as they could survive uh, as as they could. But it took it took upwards of uh, it took four years for the Black Plague to burn itself out the first time it hit Europe. Four years. Well, I didn't realize it it lasted that long. Yeah, yeah. It kept on coming back. What happened is it kept on coming back. Like it is here, right? Right, right. What happened is it kept on coming back. And the bigger plague issue came back in different forms every 20 years. But the Black Plague was the biggest one, the one, the one from the mid- I think it was the 14th century. It was four years. They say 200 million people uh, were taken for that. Really, uh, uh, Europe would have hit its peak uh, population back in the, um, gosh, that would have been the 1600s if it wasn't for the plague knocking back the uh, population. And then all the wars, subsequent wars that followed that. But I tried to. It's ten minutes. We're talking about it, so we can catch up. Now we're we're all caught up. So you've been you've been traveling, 
And this, how it, how was it getting on planes? Uh, actually, you know, quite well. Uh, I was very, very happy to. I it just so happens I flew Delta. Uh-huh. Um, they will leave a seat. They've been leaving a seat in between passengers open, so they're not filling up the oh, planes. Really? So depending on how many seats you have in a plane or the configuration, you could have either half a plane or roughly 66% of a plane filled, and that's it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they um, you put, like, if there's three people together, they put three people together and they, right? No, you have to ask, and, and you have to be with uh, family yeah. or traveling with friends, but you have to request sitting together. Mm-hmm. Then they will let you. Otherwise, it's every other seat. Yeah, I, I, that makes complete sense to me because obviously if you all, let's say you all drove to the airport together, your friends and your co-workers and you've been together, worked together, you know, that, that you're separating on the plane really doesn't really matter. Uh, and right. It actually, and they, it actually they, frees up more seats. So, Well, I think it makes, one, <clears throat> it reduces the anxiety on, on a plane. Because you have an empty seat next to you, right? Yeah. You feel a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they do a really good job sanitizing it. They, they hand you uh, alcohol wipes when you, when you enter the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of uh, having a, a drink cart, you know, the little cart that goes down the yeah. middle, and yeah. they ask you if you want a Coke or whatever. Uh, what they do, they just hand you a bag. It has a bottle of water in it, some crackers, and some peanuts, and another alcohol wipe so i mean they they're doing as good as they can i i was uh, pretty impressed with um the overall uh flow everything went real quick um what a novel idea they finally learned that when they board the planes they start at the back and they work their way front uh-huh. It makes, took a pandemic for them to figure out that it works just easier that way. It it does. Oh, well, they did it for because you paid. Yeah, yeah. They figured that people in first class paid the money to get them on the, their seats first. But oh, they does, they get on. Yeah, they get on first. Well, they still get on first, but you know, let's face it, first class usually doesn't have that many people in it. Yeah, but uh, you, so I mean, that elder, means everyone walks by you. You got everyone walking yeah, by you. <laughs> well. Yeah, that's true, but then the majority, the overwhelming majority of a plane is not first class, yeah. and they don't care if you're in comfort class or – they don't care. It, you start at the back of the plane, uh-huh. and it's amazing. There's no line on, on the gate when they do that. Everyone is at the back and moving – so you're not having to stumble over people or wait for some idiot to cram their bag in a, in a you know, luggage compartment. It just it just flows better, and then of course when you exit the plane, it's the front gets off first, like like always. Yeah, and it it just makes for a much less hectic and strenuous trip. It, yep. So, I I it's working, and plus the airports seem to be I don't know half capacity. Oh, hey, more predi- or less. I have a prediction. Yeah, tell me. Some planes will put first class in the back of the plane. <laughs> Prediction. <laughs> what do you think? Oh man, I, I think it's genius because people are going to say, "Why, Why not? I don't want all these? I don't want all these people walking by me." So they just put us on the plane first. We're in the back, and then we're the last to leave. And then we don't have to walk past anybody. So that's right. That's yeah, perfect. They, they're going to be there now. Some. Airlines will do that because they'll say, well, this is the reason why we do it. And some people realize, well, that makes a lot of sense. It'll only happen with a big carrier because a regional carrier or small carriers will have to accommodate everyone. Oh, yeah. Actually, that would be that would be that would be too funny if that ever happened. Yeah, that would be. be. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know what? They should let people leave by the slide, too. Let them what? Slide out the emergency entrances. That should be an option. <laughs> yeah. right? make, it, make it a slip yeah. and slide, spray them down with sanitizer, and, and slide them right off the plane. 
yeah, what better way to learn how to finally undo those those doors? Yeah, you know yep. when they when you sit in an exit row, they say, "Well, read the manual." Yeah, that's going to help when the plane starts to go down. Yeah, I'm going to read the manual. No, yeah. no, Let's but have a and that'll be in first class too, where they allow the slide first, because they want to get off the plane. You know, they want to get on the plane first. They're going to back um, and not have anybody go past them, and. So they don't have to go past anybody or any and fix it. They'll just have them slide out the back door or just, you know, maybe in first class, maybe just drop them off before they even land. Yeah, that or they can go back to making planes with the uh, the additional uh, entrance ramp in the back, the tail yeah. of the plane. Well, Remember I, those? Drop them off. I said drop them off before they land. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Parachute them back oh. home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Someone's calling. I think he. Uh, why do people call when they're calling the wrong number? That's not the number. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Someone's calling my regular number. I think it's. Oh. It's. I guess maybe they can't call in. Let me see. So I called the number 407. 392-4563 if you're trying to call into the show that's the number you want to call 407-392-4563 yeah so um, th so that's interesting that's nice that uh, you know the planes aren't um, that crowded uh, at least there's some comfort and I always thought that um, a, a theory out there is that people are because of the, uh, people of all ancestries that have been through uh, plagues, they may. You ever hear of how people call uh, famine, uh, uh, famine bodies, like uh, uh, people that store carbohydrates and stuff like that, and from come from a, a famine culture, like some yeah. years, and and they just are more efficient at stir, uh, storing fat. And it's not an evolutionary, it's a natural, some people always, they confuse evolution which, with selection and, and breeding. There are three separate things, right? Joe? Okay. Okay, here, yeah. okay. Evolution is nature, you know, where um, uh, a an aquatic creature, uh, creature starts adapting to being spending more time on land and becoming, you know, you know, over millions and millions of years. Evolution is a slow process. Uh, natural selection is also a slow process, not necessarily that, but just as a, you know, uh, a tiger, um, that albino tigers don't survive maybe because they can't sneak up, they can't hunt as efficiently, right? And they, the natural colorings of a tiger arise from that. That's natural selection. And breeding is just like when you breed, how they bred um, dogs, right? Okay. That's not natural. Breeding yeah, is not natural selection. Because that's a force. No, it's quite the opposite. The force selection. It's so, right. It's a force selection. So, so uh, the famine body and certain things, people adapting, like they, the, more people, uh, babies were. Let's say more babies or uh, people are able to survive if they're able to store more fat or have a better chance of surviving a famine. Right, if you can pour it just, just like that, and and they pass on that trait to subsequent generations, right? Okay. Just like uh, uh, melanin and all those things, you're passing on traits to the next generation that make it more viable. Now it may not be happening as much now because we have all these things that artificially sustain people that would not have survived and i'm not for eugenics or anything like that i'm just saying how people survived before so you think about the people that survived the plague a lot of people died right away right oh absolutely but some, uh, so, yeah. 
and then some survive. I would. Well, do you think some develed uh, some form of group immunity? No, Those I that don't. I don't. And... I, don't I, uh, I don't know enough about that. I, I, they, they. There's all sorts of th- theories. Uh, you know, it's people having stronger uh, natural immune systems, more T cells. You know what I mean? Because a coronavirus. Right. Uh, it's not uh, make what makes it novel is that it hasn't been transferred to a, a population yet, so you shouldn't have an existing uh, immunity. So a plague that pops, uh, the next plague that pops up, may not have anything to do with the the type of virus that was be- subsequent. It was before it, right? So. Well, all I'm suggesting is maybe the people survived or uh, they always talk about how humans were naturally wired for some people are naturally wired for anxiety or or, you know, that flight or fight uh, instinct. Okay. where something happens and it triggers a uh, triggers an autonomic response in your system, anxiety you know, boost of blood pressure. So you're, you're getting ready. Let's say your heart rate quickens in order to increase that. So maybe all these plagues that came around and our ancestors surviving them left an imprint on us, not necessarily on how to fight future plagues, but how we react to them. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that anxiety, that thing that goes on, and we're right. Like it would that disappear. Would be I mean, imagine in sixteen. Think about in in a, in a fifteen hundreds, fourteen hundreds. You have a plague, and it just kind of winds down, right? And then it mutates, right. and then it, something happens, mutates, and it keeps it comes back, and they got a wave. They they must have not known what the fuck was going on back then. So you're saying our our re, our reaction to, in this case, an unknown disease, um, becomes a almost a cultural evolutionary trait as opposed to a physical or genetic evolutionary it trait. It could, it could be both, but like culturally, maybe they're accepting a death, meaning that's what happens. Because it happened so often, so there's some people. Oh well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't accept the plague as something that just happened. They blamed everything under the sun, including menstruating women. However, I get your point. I mean, they, no, no, but they got it so often. Not everyone. Not everyone died from it. Not everyone did anything about it. So whole towns were wiped out. Oh and yeah, some, and some were left relatively untouched. So, uh, but it, primarily it hit, it touched everyone. I'm just saying the reaction to it and, uh, the modern day, uh, like they, they, everyone had, yeah, you're right. Menstruating women, blaming the, uh, Jewish people for it, blaming gypsies, right. uh, uh, blaming, uh, anybody, uh, uh p- blaming the church, blaming this. I mean, there was some small revolutions that occurred against uh, the establishment during that time because it upset society. You could have, uh, you know, you could have a a realm uh, they had uh, during the Middle Ages. There wasn't a lot of large uh, uh, government. There weren't governmental systems. There were small feudal systems. And when that got ravaged if the Lord died and his household and all that stuff, you know, the people just, whoever was left, they said, well, you're not in charge anymore. Maybe we could do a little better. It doesn't matter. It just upset everything, but everyone had their own theory. There was no unified one. Nowadays, let's say go back to 1918 when they had a Spanish influenza, they just said, Hey, listen, go and do this and put on mask. And, and there, there were anti-mask people, in 1918, there are people. There's always people that say this won't do it, this will do it, or you know. But I think it's well, a smaller, it seems I think it's a smaller percentage. Well, it it seems that the the constant 
um, the knee jerk reaction seems to be constant. Although the reaction might change a little bit, the fact that it occurs seems to be a constant in that cultural evolutionary reaction to a pandemic or the unexplained. And in this case, what do we have going on today? We have a denial of science um, and, and we have upheaval and some of it um, may not seem like COVID related, but the overall condition of our country and, and COVID has, I believe uh, exacerbated certain conditions that have gone on that people have no longer the ability to sit idle and allow to continue. I think COVID has, has helped inflame some of these passions and uh, regardless of how you feel about them um, here they are. And and it's it's part of, you know, what really makes the COVID story and this time in history um, problematic uh, troubling. Um, we, we're in a we're in a state of unrest, uh, uh, of imbalance, um, because all these issues, social issues, have have just busted loose, and they've never been historically easy to solve. And now there seems to be this, and maybe rightfully so, this demand that they get solved right now. And it all ties back into what COVID has done. So what I would ask is, you know, going back to the plague, um, there was a whole Reformation movement that went on in the church. And there was upheaval to the systems in Europe, such that had the plague not occurred, some of those, you know, those things would never have happened. History yeah, no, would not yeah, have taken yeah. that other road. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that. You know, 600 years ago, someone started positing a theory and saying, listen, it seems to be that um, they could, they, maybe they, there, wasn't the, the, there wasn't the research or science or even language to describe it. But uh, there were probably uh, people that had very strong observational skills that realized, you know, you know, if you have to be in contact with someone or they're, they're you know, uh, a byproduct of that person in order to get infected, if you stayed separate, let's say people that are uh, uh, separate from them, they would notice that there was commonality in how things occurred, um, that how, how there was transmission. And they may be able to try to tell other people that, but you're telling people that some, you're, I mean, a large percentage of the population was illiterate, and and the ones that could read read, you know, they read only certain text. So you you could have like nowadays, everyone here, everyone in the United States can spout a bullshit theory, right? Right. And and then there's people who say, well, there's one. This wise man here thinks it's this, and this this person wise man who doesn't seem to be. He sounds wise, but he's been wrong a lot. You know, so they probably they go, he sounds wise. He says to throw all the Jewish people into wells. But the wise man over there says, well, if you throw well uh, people into wells and they die, they're going to poison your well. And not only going to kill people from more plague, you're going to die from, you know, poison water. So, I mean, I'm sure all sorts of things like that happen. But, uh, you know, that was I, I, I do take your point there. You know what? We did end. It's thirty minutes into the show, and we pretty much. It's always. It it did the same thing when I was just by myself, Joe. So I can't. I ne- I learned that you can't not talk about it. It's it's not just the gorilla in the room, the six hundred pound gorilla in the room. It's the six hundred gorilla surrounding you, like a crowd of them, and that's it. You know, it's a, a people. No, are, no. Listen, but but. It's. Yeah, it's the pandemic, and and it's 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 it, it seems it's on all the television stations. It's news twenty four seven, right? You get tired of listening to it. Yeah, that's just the pandemic. But when you start thinking about how society and branches of society, what's going on, and just to think for a moment that is the pandemic fueling these other issues in our society, 
whether they're social or political. And it's an interesting subject matter. I don't have any answers for it. I would, I, I have, I have my ideas. I think, I think it is, but you know, I, I tend to think that in a pandemic or in a national crisis or a world crisis, it naturally is going to shift the, the normal way we conduct our business. You, you have to realign, you have to rethink systems, you have to re-evaluate um, how you do business, you know, everything, including your own values. You may have to reevaluate your value system. So, yes, I see, I see the pandemic as being that important. That's the kind of news. Of course, you never hear that on television. They want to tell you about how many have died and, and, and how many are sick and the fact that testing sucks. But really, when you look at all of society in the United States, um, it, it, things are happening. They're not all nice. And, you know, the, the question I play with is how does this pandemic fuel that? And I think it does. Um, that's all. That, that, that's why the pandemic is an interesting topic to me. And yes, I too get bored with, with uh, you know, the, the, the general mundane nonsense about, uh-huh. you know, should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? I mean, for Christ's sake. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I understand that. Um, hey, listen, uh, take your mind off this a little, maybe. Are you ready for it? Yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was trying to uh, talk. I was I was attempting to start a conversation with a coworker, and his his uh, observation or his view on uh, the topic I was talking about was very interesting. So I go. I started mentioning movies. I got you know. It's weird how you know you go through certain movies, and you, I've I've looked at movies that I would never have really thought about watching before but i i enjoy i enjoy uh the cinema the cinema but yeah i said to him i i was mentioning movies and he said to me straight face he said he doesn't like movies because he doesn't like actors playing the roles of someone who lived Okay, uh, so he says he likes of... <laughs> he likes no he likes the idea no no it's and he likes when when he sees a film he likes to see the person playing I said so you like the news or document documentaries and he says yes I only like documentaries when it it's played by well I said that's the nature of documentaries though it's going to be the people that. You know, if it's a documentary or someone, they're going to have that person. It should be that person. A documentary of, of um, you know, let's say Anthony Fauci won't have someone else playing. They won't bring an actor to play Anthony Fauci, you know, unless it's a Yeah, not on a documentary. Yeah, unless it's a, but what if they what, unless what, it's what a if documentary they do, uh... like the Civil War? Now, they didn't have any recordings of that. So I go, so wait, so. You only, since the advent of film, you only like documentaries or the small fatter, smattering of films where the actor actually played, that played them were the people that the thing happened to. You know, can you think of, there? there's actually some movies like that. There, there are, Joe. There was that. Um, the actor that, playing it? Yeah, yeah, that Clint Eastwood did that movie about the three guys on the train in Paris. I forgot the na- name of it. Something yes. like the something ten. To well, Paris. there's another one that. Yeah, yeah, that's a three, three, three twelve to Paris or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Where they actually he had that was movie. actually a very good movie. Yeah, and then, um, but and then there were actors that played themselves, but the movie wasn't real, but it's the actor playing themselves. There is an actor coming out of World War II that actually he played in a, Audie a Murphy. drama. Audie Murphy, yeah. Your dick, yes. Audie Murphy played himself. 
uh, in his own story, which was just a little yeah, bit Yeah, but overdone. everyone else. But not much because everyone he was else, kind of a crazy though, was, dude. Everyone else was. Uh, was an actor. <laughs> everyone else was an actor. So, yeah, so not, hey, oh, bring 100- in those dead Germans. Where did yeah. those dead German bodies go? We got to bring them yeah, back. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. It just. <laughs> yeah, there, there was uh, there was the movie Being John Malkovich, which uh, John Malkovich yes. was a star in. Uh, there was this movie called um, This Is the End. It was a comedy. Seth Rogen, James Franco. Um, oh, that's right. Craig oh God, Robinson, that was funny. Uh, Dan, yes, Dan, Danny McBride. Yeah. Uh, they played themselves um, this movie Coffee and say, oh, I'm still here. That was Joaquin Phoenix, which he portrayed as a documentary, but it was actually a movie. He played himself, but he was he was making it up. It was really interesting. It was a documentary of yeah. Joaquin Phoenix being crazy. And he's he was uh, putting on the air of being crazy. It was drugs and prostitutes and all this stuff. <laughs> it was it was great. It was it was uh, performance art. But then I thought I looked at the guy and I thought I said, "Wow, so you don't like anything historical?" So I go, "That's why the title of the show is called Sorry Jesus." So there's no Jesus movies you watch, because yeah, no. No Jesus. Sounds movie. like there's no not a Abraham, whole lot of any movies. No, no Abraham Lincoln, no uh, uh, Madame Curie, no. I mean, there's could be. I think she may have lived into the. Yeah, she lived into the age of film. Uh, Joan of Arc, uh, blah 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 blah. Uh, Jesus, uh, Queen Elizabeth the first. So forget about that. Uh, almost all the Civil War. Gosh, any any yeah. whaling movie? Coworkers, your coworkers missing out. Yeah, I'm like, there's tons of people, tons of people. Oh, no Santa, you no Santa Claus, there's no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny because you can't watch anything fictional. There was a movie called um, The Invention of Lying. I mentioned it to you before. Yeah, 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 and and it was interesting. Because what he was talking about was pretty much based on that movie. Really? Because, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. And I'm sure he didn't see the movie because nobody was real in that movie. Um, and <laughs> it's a world where no one lies. Right? No one has told except a lie. This, except this guy learns that he can lie and yes. get some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, he benefits from it, and it's not mean-spirited lies either. He just says he's when he. You think a lie, you think it's negative. Stating an untruth could be done for humorous reasons, right? He he goes. He he's hanging out with friends in a bar, and he just says, "I just thought of things that thought of something that wasn't." And like what? He goes, well, my father invented the tents. Uh, my father invented the bicycle. Um, I'm an a- astronaut. I'm actually a black man. And they were just accepting everything he said. And one of the guys says, uh, the bartender says, can you get me a deal on a 10-speed bicycle? Because, you know, he just said, like, no one. And they go, you're black. And they go, Oh, really? And I say, well, you, it's really hard to tell. You know, it was a white guy saying it. So, um, he, he, yeah, he could just tell anybody. He walks out and he walks outside the bar and he, t- he sees a beautiful woman walks the street and he says to her, listen, the world is going to end in a half hour if we don't have sex. And the girl and they go and they run to a motel and she's ready to have sex and, with him and stuff like that. Because, you know, no one ever lies. And, oh, and the form of entertainment, the form of entertainment for uh, video entertainment, it's all documentary. And it's all being read by someone in a, um, in a chair. That's it. There's no recreation. No, no, no. Uh, there's no actor saying the words. They're just reading a book reading the history 
So that's their entertainment. And that's the, this guy works for a network and it's just documentary. So almost if, if adhering to it, I could have pointed, I could have pointed out to him when you, when you're watching a, a documentary, right? Unless it's a documentary about someone who doesn't know it's a documentary, you might get something real out of it. You I know what I'm saying? The, I think the greater issue is an individual's inability to suspend disbelief. And that's problematic. Um, that's that's stunted. Uh-huh. I think uh, if you if you can't suspend your belief, uh-huh. did I say disbelief? If you can't suspend your belief yeah. and allow yourself to travel somewhere in your imagination, if you don't have that component, if you don't have the ability to have that layered imagination uh-huh. to enjoy that a story, storytelling is how humans exist, have existed, yeah. and will continue to exist. If you don't have that component, I'm a little confused. What would that put you as? Two-dimensional yeah. or one-dimensional? It's a stunted growth. It's a stunted emotional growth, a stunted psychological. It just seems an unfinished work. Someone who who doesn't seem to have the capacity to tolerate storytelling, drama. You see what I'm saying? It, it's an interesting condition. Uh, I've never run into anyone like that, but mm-hmm. I, I would think. Now, let me ask you this about the story about the movie about no one lies. Mm-hmm. Would that would that condition, would that fantasy world still be considered a dystopia? It wasn't a dystopia because there was no religion. It was actually a, almost like a utopia because no one... More of a utopia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you think about it, no one li- lied and things like that. I guess, I don't know. Well, how would World War II happen if no one lied? You know? How would comedy happen if no one lied? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's an interesting thing, but I think more harm has been done from the lies than the truth. Oh, well, listen, lies offer. Look, doesn't the, didn't the movie just kind of open up the fact that lies can go from harmless to really harmful real quick? Yeah. Well, what, how it began is his mother, the guy, the main character's mother was dying. Right. She was in the midst of her last moments. Right. And she says to her son, she goes, I can't believe that this is it and nothing. It's going to be nothing. I'm going to die. And that's it. I'm done. There's nothing else. And he looked at her and he said, no, that's not true. When you die, you go someplace and they give you a mansion. They give you a mansion and you're there with everyone you loved uh, and, and all this stuff, and and he's telling his mom that, and she's smiling because she's never heard that before, and he says, "And you're right. happy to read and this and that, and it mollifies her at the end, and she dies with a smile on her face, and and he's crying as he's telling his mom this, and he turns around, and there's the doctor and two nurses standing there, right, and the guy goes, right. I've never heard the doctor goes, I never heard this before. This is amazing. And all that stuff. Right. Cause they never heard anybody tell, say, you know, if someone said something, it had to be true. So he becomes famous because of that. And he makes up, he has to talk about the man in the sky, <laughs> you ah. know? the man in the sky and how he wants you to do this and that. And he has to invent, he invents religion. So there's no religion. Right. There's until no he until he until he introduces that lie. Yeah. Now that 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 is his in in his world. No one come up and said they had a had a conversation with a higher power. You know. There right. was no. I mean. I don't. Yeah. Well, he. I he mean, he seems to be the messenger of the higher power, doesn't he? He's the messenger. He's the Jesus he figure. Makes him, yeah, he's the uh, Muhammad more, 
I guess you would call it, because he's more of a prophet. But he doesn't believe it, and he and he's saying it just because. Well, there's no. Uh, he gave he gave people a little hope, and they were happy, so he went with it. Kept on going. Right. Yeah, I so, get well, it. I mean, it, it was. It, I I liked it. It was a little. Actually, there's going to be tons of people get angry. Obviously, anybody who's religious will not like the movie, right? Draw the, the the obvious conclusion that it's a statement about religion in a in a in a joking way. Yeah, yeah and, and relationship a, and relationship. It's a statement about relationships because he's he he uh, he falls in love with Jennifer Garner. It's Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is a fam- he, he's famous for his views. He's a he, um, I think I don't know if he's agnostic or atheist. I think I'm pretty sure he's no an no atheist. no no. He's an atheist. Okay, he's an atheist. Um, yeah, and, but he falls in love with Jennifer Garner, right? And uh, Jennifer Garner says, you know, and she looks at him because, and says the truth. Says, frankly, you're unattractive, you're a little fat, and I don't think your job is that great. So, and, and she's saying that to him, trying to be nice. And I'm not really attracted <laughs> to you, and I. I don't think you'll be suitable genetic choice for me to pass on. They're not traits I want to pass on to my children, right? And that's how she'd like this guy. But she goes, you you do make me laugh, and I do enjoy your company. She knows it. She does say that. In the end, and in the end, in the end, she does fall in love with him. And I don't uh, think hope springs I, eternal. And I don't think he, he doesn't. She doesn't fall in love with him because he lies to her either. Even though he did lie to her a little, but in the end, he tells her he goes, "No, I'm not. I'm no different than I was before and stuff like that." You just, you know, you just. I mean, in the end, he didn't. None of this was enunciated, but she made a decision. That, is, but he 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 got wealthy because he lied. He made up a story about. As a matter of fact, his documentary. He wrote. He worked for the company that wrote the documentaries for TV. And for years, ah. he wanted to. He wanted to write one about the Black Plague, but no one wanted to listen to it, right? So he creates this story behind it with Amazon women and the Prince of Mars marrying at the end of the Dark Ages and all this stuff. Yeah. He talks about the dark, he talks about the plague, but it ends with the uh, Martians marrying, having a Martian Amazonian wedding and all that stuff. And everyone's like amazed. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. So when, when I, you know, imagine that, like if someone sees all, imagine um, some, I hate to say the word primitive, but a secluded tribe, right? That never okay. was exposed to technology. If there's any such thing around today, right? And you just took that person and put them in a room with a big TV. They never saw a TV. And you just started playing Star Wars. They, right. I can only imagine the reaction. Yeah, like what is going on here? I mean, if you don't have any context, maybe they don't see anything. Because supposedly, the oral tradition of the oral tradition of how the explorers, uh, um, the European explorers, landed in the New World, was the oral tradition is that the the natives didn't recognize the ships. Until they encountered the men coming aboard on their boats, because they didn't know what the ships were, they thought there were clouds. They didn't see anything because they didn't know those ships existed. Yeah, they have zero frame of reference. Yeah, just like although, like, like a but imagine it's almost like any it works for anything really. A guy who, um. You, you always see it in movies. A guy could be sitting having dinner by himself in a restaurant and a beautiful woman walks up to him or a beautiful guy walks up to him and whatever very, 
you know, they're and a person and a person's coming on to them and they don't even notice it because they have no frame of reference. It's never happened to it before. So they said no right. way that could happen, even though they know it happens sometimes. I remember as a kid, uh, supposedly, I remember people telling me that person was hitting on you or something like that, right? And I never had a frame of reference when I was younger. Yeah, back when people would say, well, you were just naive. But yeah. All that means is you had you had no knowledge, no frame of reference. Yeah, the, how, how could such a thing, I mean, I didn't know. Now I know, but obviously now, well, I mean, you kind of know when they're doing it. you're responsible to your partner so uh, so so that guy with the uh documentaries i thought he was it was interesting and he works a lot so he may have all the free time he has in order to watch it i he may be and i thought that made him very interesting when he said it i some people do things and it i you know they think that's odd that's crazy that's weird I thought it was rather interesting that the guy, I would rather see the person it's about playing themselves. No, it's interesting. It's just Be kind of egotistical, though. Uh-oh, you know who I thought about? You ever seen that documentary about, was it Robert Evans? Who, let me, let me, uh, the kid, it's a documentary called The Kid Stays in the Picture. You ever hear of it? Oh, I've never seen that one. It was about no, golden, no. It was the golden age of Hollywood. This guy started out as an actor, and then he became a big-time producer. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. It, uh, uh, let me see. What is, is it Robert Evans? Yes. Yes. Robert Evans. There's a documentary. Oh, my God. Okay, so he was uh, an American film producer. He did... Rosemary's Baby, Love Story, The Godfather, Chinatown, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And he went to Hollywood. I think he played, remember the movie The Sun Also Rises with Eva, yeah. uh, was it Eva um, Gardner, Ava Gardner, Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner. Uh, who was the um, guy? Powell? Was it, not was William Powell. Could have been William Powell. Was it, was it William Powell? No. No. I forget I forget the guy's name, but I know Errol Flynn had a part in it. Remember where Ava Gardner falls in love? She goes to Spain and falls in love with a, uh, uh, a matador? Yes. Skinny, skinny, tanned matador. The matador was Robert Evans before he was a producer. No, get out of here. Yes, yes. And he was, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was in his 20s then, right? So, um, Powers, Tyrone Powers, Tyrone Powers. Tyrone Powers, there you go. Okay, so Robert Evans was the matador. Okay, so uh, uh, young kids are all. But if you ever get to see, what's the documentary? Oh, God, it's going to be hilarious. It's hilarious. The kid stays in the picture. The kid stays, it was a book, right? And this guy did, you know, he was all about, uh, you know, in his latter years, he was doing cocaine, prostitutes, and all this stuff. But he had this really raspy voice from smoking unfiltered cigarettes for like 50 years, right? And he narrated the documentary, The Kid Stays in the Picture. He narrated the documentary about himself. And, ah. there, and most of it, you know... I guess the guy had enough self-awareness. He had enough self-awareness that he didn't. But it made him look grandiose, the whole documentary. But I think people know there was an underlying layer of he's desperately needed attention because he was way past his prime. He was one of those guys that were, were the George Hamilton ascot. You know, oh yeah, yeah, long, and long, yeah. a long cigarette holder and all that stuff, <laughs> and his and it clenched in his teeth, and you know, always had uh, that kind of tan, George Hamilton tan, and all that stuff, and the hair always uh, shellacked backwards, and he sounded like the devil. He sounded like uh, Patton Oswalt always said that he 
he said he sounded like the devil. If the devil made a documentary about himself, that would be the kid stays in the picture. <laughs> but he wasn't super evil. It's not like he was super evil or anything like that. It was kind of nar- he's a little bit of a narcissist and stuff like that. But it's it's, it's him narrating. It's an he wrote the he wrote the he wrote the book. The kid stays in the picture, and. And then the documentary, and then he used, and he said, well, Robert Evans is still around. Why don't you just have him do the narration for his own documentary uh, based on his book? You know? It's crazy. And uh, if you get the chance to see it in that perspective, when you look at it, it's really entertaining. And they did a, uh, if any uh, listeners get it, there's a, on the Independent Film Channel, there's a series called Documentary Now, and they spoof all the doc- famous documentary, all all the famous ones, uh, like Zane. Uh, was it Zane? Uh, what's his name? Not Zane Gray, but Zane, the guy that did Swimming to Cambodia. I don't know. Okay, well he sits he sits at a table, he has a projection he has a, a screen behind him and he gives a long running two hour monologue, right? About things he observes, right? Okay. And the in documentary now this guy does it, but it's all crazy stuff. Oh, how about Grey Gardens? You ever hear of Grey Gardens? No. Now this was a documentary made in the late 70s if I'm not correct or maybe early 80s and it's these two uh, an aging socialite and her mother who live in this decrepit summer home in uh, some place like where where do the Kennedys have their place? Martha's Vineyard okay okay they have this old estate that's falling apart falling apart, holes in the floor and stuff like that. And they were to shit back in the 1940s, right? In the late 40s and stuff, this woman and her mother, and for some reason their financial advisors squandered their fortune. They were totally wiped out. And they were living like destitute in their decaying mansion. But they're still thinking about, they're still lost in their own grandiosity how she, the aging socialite was a debutante who women right, admired right. Her and wanted her and her mother and was this is a, a and this is a serious documentary this is real. this is a serious but then they did a spoof on it on documentary now <laughs> you should uh it's that hilarious almost, they, that, um, that would be like a you, you a never there was there was one uh, the, the serious documentaries are funny in context the series, there was one made in the late 50s, early 60s called uh, Bible Sa- uh, Salesman. It was about bi- uh, traveling Bible salesmen. A real documentary. They're, they're Bible salesmen. They go door to door selling gold embossed Bibles and you buy them for like $50 or something like that. And they, you're worth like $6 and they make like $20 a Bible. And it's a lot of money back when they were selling it. You know, they could actually sell two three bibles a day and make a pretty good living but these guys are selling bibles and all this stuff door to door and then they go back to their motels and they're drinking and and smoking and playing (laughs) cards and shit like that Uh, one of the guys is in a a sales drought and they got this manager who's riding their ass and shit like that real documentary so the spoof one they make is called the globesman the globesman and they go door to door selling globes and there's this, and and the their protag they're, they're the protagonist. The antagonist is this German salesman that sells an atlas, an atlas, <laughs> and he's always doing things like taking shits on their pillows and all that stuff like that. Oh, it's a hilarious show. And so, documentary now, documentary now. Oh, they do they do one. Where it's like that HBO show, you know, that real hip. Oh, what's that show, that news show on HBO? That young people, uh, they play, it's on uh, Friday, Saturday, night, Sunday nights. It's kind of like. The, uh, the, 
it's not Vice, is it? Yeah, Vice, Vice. Vice, they, there you they go. They do a Vice bit on documentary now where Jack Black is the guy <laughs> with the beard, you know, the guy that found the Vice, and he introduces he – yeah. co- he has his cocktail in his hand, and he's talking, and he says, we're looking for this Mexican drug lord, and they sent three pairs of journalists to see him, and they're, you know, these careless uh, millennials – they're sending there and they're getting killed every time they go there (laughs) they're like they're saying oh we're getting invited into it these police officers are going to take us to them and all of a sudden they get in the car and all of a sudden you see gunshots boom 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 they're gone so so yeah they keep on getting killed and they keep on sending new guys Uh, oh it's it's a brilliant show and it's introduced by Helen Mirren right oh yeah awesome it's, I think there's only been three seasons of it, but Helen Mirren walks out, and she introduces each documentary, and she goes, welcome to the 53rd season. <laughs> like it's been around forever. The 53rd season of documentary now, and she's real serious, and she'll say she never breaks character and stuff like that, and introduces the next one, and it's pure comedy gold. And how they came up, I was parodying documentaries. It was great. That was great. So, uh, my, my friends did it for, um, they did uh, parody uh, uh, documentaries for their um, college uh, classes. They were, uh, it was funny as hell. They did one for Bigfoot, uh, the VCR Hunters. I did tell you that. It was, an, it was, um, it was a movie slash documentary. It was a movie. Act. Uh, that wasn't a documentary. Where I'm sitting with my girlfriend watching a movie on a VCR. And these two guys that used to work at the Sony Disc Factory, the video disc, they went rogue once the factory closed down. And they were just uh, seizing uh, people's video machines and killing them. Right? So they pull me now. This actually, the filming actually happened. They pull me out of the house. They have guns, real guns, right? But supposedly, now this is from my understanding when I was doing film, they were unloading the guns, and I checked that, right? Well, we went to we was up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and it was a snowy. It was right after New Year's too, and they put me up against the wall. And when and they they were going about to do the start filming the scene where I'm getting executed, right? And this guy Billy goes, "Listen, I got a live round in this gun." And I said, "You're just doing this." And I'm going like that. You're just doing this to scare me. He goes, "No, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fire it into the wall, right?" And the other guy's holding it, uh, an AR-15, right? And he's saying okay. to him, he goes, Billy, you can't fire the gun into the wall. Don't do it. And my buddy's filming it, right? But without the sound. My buddy's filming it. And they're, okay. telling, Billy not, and they're telling Billy not to fire the gun into the wall. Billy, don't fire the gun into the wall. And I'm putting my hands up. And I go, don't fire the gun into the wall. I'm ready. I'm just going I'm, I'm, I'm to get out of this. This is crazy. So finally, they got Billy to fire the gun into the ground while uh, – my other buddy, Kevin, was pointing AR-15, and I dropped to the ground when that happened. Because I said, oh, shit, forget it. You know? <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> and that buddy, uh, my friend, he lives in Sweden, Steve. He, he said when he showed the film in his class, they said it was very disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I said because there wasn't much acting going on in that scene, you know? So. <laughs> So, that was pretty much it. Well, listen, we went over an hour, Joe, um, and uh, we had a grand total of zero calls. But I don't even know if, you know, well, I, know, well, I know they think can the call, call thing is working. I think, well, I call well, in, and it wouldn't just work because it's on my phone. It's not on my, I don't have true. Skype. That's true. Know? Uh But we'll just. Well, we'll just, just have to get more people to call. Yeah, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to fake a phone call coming in, but that'll be pretty much it. Well, I'm going to thank you, Joe, and we'll do this again. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. Uh, 
maybe uh, are you in town Thursday? Yeah, this week I'm in town. Um, so, yeah, just let me know. Well, maybe we'll do it again on Thursday. But listen, and I'll send you well, – I'll, I'll scrounge for some topics because I'll get topics that people want to hear about from listeners. But I don't get a lot of feedback yet. I get all these followers and I don't get a lot of feedback. I don't know why that is. They just want to hear I, – I don't think they want to be responsible, you know? For documentaries. The, yeah. Not for the documentary. Yeah, I'll make my own documentary. A man struggles to make a podcast interesting and doesn't. Uh, with him, with him, the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, barrier is his own talent, is or lack thereof. Yes, <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> lack thereof. Okay. Well, thank you, Joe. I'll talk to you later. It was excellent. All right, man. I'm going to sign we'll, off. Stay uh, we'll on. Stay soon. on while we do the music, and so. You can talk over if you want. I'm going to be playing it in three, two, oh, before I get off. uh, Remember, folks, the next time we do a live show, write down this number, 407-392-4563. That is 407-392-4563. So uh, next time we do a uh, live show, I'll just say that the phones are open. Just call in. Uh, The lines are open. The phones are open. I don't know how that would work. Okay, three, two, one. Here we go, Joe. Can you hear that music playing in the background, Joe? No, that music I can't hear. Yeah, it's classical loud music. Clear. I don't. How about if I yeah. do this? I'm gonna hit no. this. No. Oh, that's loud. I just blast. <laughs> how about if I do this? You hear it? No, no, not at all. How about if I do this? You hear it? No? Still nothing. Oh, I think okay. you ought to just, uh, just go back and turn on uh, Beethoven No, the music's again. playing. It's playing. I'm just saying you don't hear it. But that's, I wish you'd hear the music that's coming through. Because this, yeah, and we're here we are talking over it. Thank you, everyone. Share with a friend. Talk to you later, Joe. All right. Take care.